as we look together at Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He said to them, this is Jesus, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to encourage you to leave your Bible open. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. You may notice that the tone and tempo of my voice is a little bit faster. We've got a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to cover it this morning. We're going to do it efficiently and effectively. So tune in, buckle up, and let's go. We're going to move over to Acts chapter 6. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The church has been established, and they've got problems. If you look around Bethany and you think, man, oh man, if we could just be more like the early church, they had no issues, they had no problems, everybody was in peace and harmony, and everything was great. Wrong. (laughs) They had problems just like we've got problems. I had a very wise and brilliant, God-blessed and spirit-filled professor in seminary that helped teach one of the counseling classes. She made us start every single class and end every single class the same exact way. She made all of us say together, I've got issues, you've got issues, all God's children have issues. I just want to modify that just a little bit. The church in Acts had issues, this church has issues, all God's churches have issues. If you find the perfect church and you move your membership there, you'll ruin it because you're an imperfect sinner just like me. No such thing as a perfect church never has been. And until Jesus comes back, there won't be. But here's what they did. The same things that we do through godly wisdom, godly counsel, seeking the spirit's leadership. They sought to deal with issues. They had all things in common and everybody was taken care of. If anybody had a need, all they had to do was come to the church, not the church campus, the church body, the people, and make that need known. So they got into a habit of distributing food for daily needs at tables. And it turned out that some of the widow women were being left out. And so that's where we find Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Notice, first off, that Luke describes the disciples were increasing. That is not a reference to the 12 disciples who followed Jesus most closely. They are called the apostles in the Gospels and in Acts. So this is talking about everyone as a Jesus follower. Do you know what the Bible calls Jesus followers? Disciples. Do you know what our mission is as a church? To make disciples. The disciples were increasing. People were growing in their faith and sharing the gospel, growing deeper in the word. And yet some of the widows from the Hellenists were being overlooked instead of the Hebrews. And so they needed to resolve this. And the twelve, that's the apostles, summoned the full number of disciples. Get the distinction there. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Just a side note here, that's what people who are in ministry are set aside to do, to preach the word. It is not right that the word of God being preached should be given up 
just to do acts of service and social justice in the world. That's great. Those things need to happen, but that is the job of every Christian. The word is to be preached, and the position of pastor, of minister, is set aside for the preaching and teaching of God's word. The disciples, the twelve, the apostles said it's not right that they should give up preaching just to serve tables. Not that serving tables wasn't important, but they moved on and said, let's delegate this task out. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom he will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves, Acts 6, 4, if you ever really want to know, what what are pastors and ministers, what are they supposed to be doing? We're supposed to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's what we should be doing. As for these men, they set aside what they said pleased the whole gathering. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenaeus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So they set aside these men to help serve at the table. You have Stephen, you have Philip. This is not the same Philip who is an apostle. There is a Philip who is a deacon, and a Philip who is an apostle. What the story of Acts tells us about is the story of Philip, the evangelist, Philip, the deacon. So we're going to focus in on Philip a little bit this morning because his story in many ways mirrors what Matthew's already shared with us about his story. So I want us to turn now to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8. We are missing a, a portion of scripture where Stephen is stoned. He is the first martyr. And so Acts chapter 8 picks up right after they kill Stephen. They throw stones at him until he is dead. So Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, the word of the Lord says, And Saul approved of his execution. That's our little pen to put in the name Saul of Tarsus to know that at some point we'll get to hear more about him. But for now, Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And because of that, because of Stephen's execution, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except who? Except the apostles. So when it talks about people being scattered, it's talking about disciples of Jesus being scattered. It's talking about regular, everyday Christians being scattered, while the apostles, the twelve, those who were set aside for the ministry of the word and prayer, stayed in Jerusalem. So if you were thinking, no, preacher, you're crazy, that Philip guy is Philip the apostle, I want you to be certain with me, Philip the apostle stays in Jerusalem with the other twelve apostles. They stay in Jerusalem, but everybody else goes out. And that's what happens with Philip, the deacon. He goes out because of the persecution. So devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. Now, of those who were scattered about preaching the word, Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now, From Jerusalem, Samaria is north. But any time a Jew refers to leaving Jerusalem, you go down from Jerusalem. You go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is on the hill. You go down from Jerusalem. They're not talking about going south. They're talking about going down 
in elevation. He goes down to Samaria. And while he is in Samaria, he proclaimed to them the word of Christ. But look what happens. Philip, the deacon, starts a church. Verse 6, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, God doing signs through everyday regular people like Philip, not the apostles in, in particular at this moment, but Philip, the evangelist, the deacon, they see the signs and for unclean spirits came out crying out with a loud voice out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Philip goes there and do not miss that a huge ministry breaks out for Philip. This is like a pastor's dream that you go somewhere, the Holy Spirit starts moving through you and things start happening and people come in droves. The gospel is growing like wildfire. And then they run into problems because like I said, our church has issues. Your church has issues. All God's churches have issues. So there's this guy named Simon. Look with me in verse 9 through 14. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached, Good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Look, things are going so well in Samaria And Samaritans are hated so deeply that they send Peter and John to verify that everything that's going on is real and legitimate. We have to understand that what's going on through Simon the magician is demonic work. I want us to grasp that Philip is running a ministry where crowds are coming to him in droves. People are being healed of sicknesses, of being paralyzed, of being lame, all these different things, being having demons cast out of them. And literally, the forces of darkness are fleeing before Philip and his ministry. The Holy Spirit is with him so strongly. Can you imagine being in a place where God is using you to such an audible and visible and noticeable, tangible way that you know you're being used by God? Isn't that what we all strive for as Christians? Philip had to go home every night, lay his head down, and feel satisfied that God was using him and doing great things and speaking through him to reach great numbers of people. But we pick up there in verse 25, and we find out, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many Villages of the Samaritans. What happens is a big episode with Simon, but we're focusing on Philip. The apostles, Peter and John, leave Samaria preaching as they go, and they say, this is real. This is legitimate. Now Philip has the stamp of approval from the apostles back at HQ, if you will. Then in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And just in case we weren't familiar with this road, Luke, the author of Acts, lets us know 
this is a desert place. Wait a minute. Wait, wait just a minute. You mean to tell me Philip casting out demons, people who are performing magic through demonic power are coming to the gospel and believing in Jesus. You mean that paralyzed people are standing up and walk. The lame are walking. The dumb are talking. The deaf are hearing. You mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit is moving through Philip and a church is erupting and all of Samaria is coming to him and believing in Jesus. And this angel shows up and says, this is great, Philip. You're doing a wonderful job. I'm so proud of you. Now go to the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Hang on just one, one quick second. I'm being very effective here, Mr. Angel of the Lord, I don't know if you realize thousands of people have trusted in Jesus because you planted me here. Like, clearly, I'm more effective here than in the middle of the desert. The angel says, time to go, Philip. We have no recording of Philip having any back talk. This is just like Abraham. God said, Abraham, pick up your stuff and move. I want you to go to the place I'm going to show you. Didn't even tell him where to go. We have no record of Abraham talking back. All we've got is what Philip said, same as what Abraham said. And he rose and went. Folks, I want you to know that what was happening in Matthew's life, and what may be happening in your life, is that God's planted you somewhere where you feel very effective, where you feel like God is using you. You look around at Bethany, it is a great time to be here at Bethany Baptist Church. You look around at your job, it is probably a great time to be at your job. Things are growing, business is expanding, your salary's going up, stuff is good and in line. And that that could be your situation and you feel like there is no way God would ever call me somewhere else. You could have a job where you're making your own living. You've been working your whole life. You've been a self-sufficient man or woman your entire life, making as much money as you needed to spend on what you desired. And then God says, by the way, I want you to go down a desert road. And I want you to raise your own funds from the goodness of people's heart. And I want you to trust me that I'm going to provide enough, says the Lord. And that's the call that Matthew and Rachel received. I, I went to school with people were so much smarter than me. I went to seminary with guys that were absolutely brilliant. Men and women who had passed the bar. Men and women who were architects. And God called them from a lucrative, lucrative career of architecture, of law practice, and said, I want you in ministry and I want you to serve the church in this way. And they left everything. And I want you to know I'd sit in those seminary classes and I always felt like such a a nobody in comparison to these people who gave up so much to follow Jesus. And you know, I I don't think that that's as unusual as we like to think that it is. I, I don't think that what Matthew has experienced is something that is abnormal. I think that all of us in some way, in some form, have gotten really good at burying that call. Because sometimes things are going really well where we are. And we look down a desert road and we go, there isn't anybody there. Why on earth would you send me that way, Lord? Why would you call me to that kind of ministry? Why would you pluck me from here and throw me over there? Folks, Philip answered the call. Had nothing to say back. Matthew answered the call. I wonder, will you answer the call? 
I want you to look at what happens because of Philip's obedience, all right? We, we won't read all these verses. I know we're short on time, but, but hear me out. There was an Ethiopian eunuch on that road. He's the dude that handled all the money for the queen of Ethiopia. And because Philip was obedient to the Lord and walked down a desert road that looked like it was absolutely abandoned, he comes upon this chariot. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives him the ability to run up next to this chariot. And as he runs up next to this chariot, he's like, hey, man, what you reading? And he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. The fact that the man had a scroll from Isaiah is huge. He is very affluent because he can afford a scroll of Isaiah. That is a significant detail. And he's reading and he's like, man, I ain't got a clue what I'm reading unless somebody could tell me about it. So they read this passage from Isaiah. And it's one of the suffering servant songs in Isaiah. And the eunuch looks at Philip and he's like, hey, man, who is Isaiah talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And Philip's like... Let me tell you what, he is talking about Jesus, the Messiah, and he shares the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. And I want you to know that for hundreds and hundreds of years, there was a strong Christian presence in Ethiopia. Before, in the Arab world, they came and Islam kind of forcibly killed and and murdered and took over all that area and made it more of an Islamic state. But for hundreds of years, there were Christian strongholds in Ethiopia. And you know why? Because Philip left what seemed like the easy choice. And he walked down a desert road. He walked down a road where there seemed like there was no hope, that there was no sustenance. Philip didn't have another job. Those people in Samaria were paying for him to eat, to have a roof over his head. He left his roof. He left his house. He left his family. He just walked down the desert road because God called him. And he responded. And because of that, all of Ethiopia heard the gospel. And not only that, the Lord doesn't even send him back to Samaria. After he's coming up out of the water, he shares with the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. And somehow they're on a desert road. There's no water anywhere. But the Ethiopian eunuch looks and says, hey, look right here. There's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip goes, absolutely nothing, brother. Let's do it. So he goes over there. He dunks him under the water, brings him back up. And it says the Holy Spirit carried Philip away. Can you imagine? Freya, Kathleen, can you imagine if if y'all came up out of the water and all of a sudden I went to give you a hug and then poof, I'm just gone, just gone. And that Ethiopian eunuch is like, uh, I guess I'll go tell more people about this stuff. This seems pretty legitimate. Seems like a great thing. I'll just keep going to Ethiopia. And Philip winds up in Azotus and he's, I don't know why I'm in Azotus, but I guess I better start sharing the good news. And then a whole church gets planted in Caesarea because that's where he ends up. And if you're thinking, how do you know that that's where he ends up and that that's the same guy? Turn with me to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Just in case you were curious about what God does with Philip, there's no way that's the same Philip. Yeah, it is. It's talking about Luke is with Paul at this point in Acts Because you see in verse 7, he says, When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemy. And And we greeted the brothers. And we stayed with them for one day. On the next day, verse 8, On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. Philip goes from Azotus to Caesarea, sharing the gospel, starts a church in Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. So there's a follow-up to let us know Philip is planted in Caesarea. He starts a church. Folks, sometimes you are living your life 
and you just think, man, things could not be better. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And you feel this tug on your heart. And I'm not trying to put words in Matthew's mouth, but from his testimony, that's kind of what happened to him. He was perfectly content serving the Lord. It's not like he was inactive serving the Lord. Taking kids to Camp Victory, serving on the board of directors, serving the camp in every way that he possibly could, plugged in at his home church. It's like being at Samaria, right? He's got a good job. He's got a a wife. He's got a family that love him, that support him. They're doing ministry together. How on earth would God say, hey, there's this other road over here I want you to take? Folks, that may sound unique to to Matthew, but that's what happened to Philip. And I want you to know that that's happening in some of your lives. And I don't know who you are, and I don't know who it is that needs to hear this today, but somebody in here needs to know that that crazy thing that God's calling you to do, go do it. That crazy ministry that God's calling you to start, go start it. That person that God's calling you to go and talk to them and tell them about His goodness and His grace and His love and His mercy, go talk to them. It may look like a desert road to you. It may look like there's no hope and that there's nothing that God could ever work out of it. But I promise you, God's got a plan for you. God wants to use you and He is calling you to go down the desert road. And it may not make sense to you and to me, but God's got a plan. And it may be hard. It may be tough. But God's got a plan for you. Listen to His voice. Follow His Spirit as it leads. When the Holy Spirit moves on your heart to do something that seems like there's no hope, take godly counsel. Don't, don't, don't go running into a burning building or anything crazy off the top of your head. But follow Jesus. Talk to others. Look in the Scriptures and follow His commands. You may end up starting a ministry like Crossover. You may end up starting a ministry where, like Miss Sandy, is is helping these ladies to learn career skills and, and come out of the life that they're in. God may pick you up and throw you to the other side of the world and plant you in a place where the people never would have heard the gospel if it weren't for you. God is calling you. I want us as a church to be sensitive to that call and to answer that call and be faithful like Philip. And be faithful like Matthew. This morning, maybe God's call on your heart and on your life is just to trust in Him. To make Him both your Savior and your Lord. To cry out to Him and say, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. And to say, Jesus, be the Lord and Master of my life. Folks, if that's you this morning, don't leave today without trusting in Jesus Christ giving your life over to him to follow wherever he would lead, to do whatever he would call you to do. And this morning, if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time and you feel the Holy Spirit pulling and tugging on your heart to go and follow the example that we've been shown this morning, let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are just. We thank you that you're actively involved in our lives. Lord, thank you that you 
are willing to use us. You, you don't need us. You don't need Philip to go down the desert road. You could have saved the Ethiopian eunuch in some other way. You could have sent somebody else. You could have made the very rocks cry out. But in your mercy and in your grace, you give us the opportunity to plug in and be blessed by serving you, by advancing your kingdom. This morning, would you help us, Lord, to answer the call, to go wherever you'd have us to go, to do whatever you would have us to do. Father, we love you. We need you. Would you move among us now? Would your Holy Spirit prompt us? And may we respond in obedience as you, Holy Spirit, move among us. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, as Jason leads us in another song, would you please stand and would you please sing and respond as the Holy Spirit leads?